I got to tell you something. Every time I hear that music, I know instinctively, like that Pavlov and his dog, what time it is. It's <laughs> Thursday. It's August 12th. Dan Nathan, it is 1046 because the music tells you it is. Today's episode of 1046 brought to you by our presenting sponsors, FactSet, financial data, data and analytics powered by tomorrow. And of course, Open Exchange, they manage virtual meetings that matter for the top companies around the world. We're going to hit a macro call, a couple single stock things, chart of the week, one for the road, 14 minutes. How are you, Dan? I'm doing great, guy. I, I just don't think we're going to do all that in 14 minutes. You know that I we're think going to we be can. going a little I think OT. we can. I think right. we can. <laughs> well, listen, we got the everything rally call by our good friend Tom Lee at Fundstrat. Also, a CNBC contributor comes on the Fast Money often, and he makes a lot of provocative calls. But get into this one because I know you love it. I know that everything's going to rally. Everything's yeah. going to rally. I mean, the S and P is going to be 4,600 by the end year. I think Goldman Sachs, if I'm not mistaken has a $4,700 target on the S&P 500, there's going to be a sigh of relief. And, and let me tell you something. He might be right. Decreasing probabilities of a fall surge, everything's going to rally. And quite frankly, that's exactly what we've seen. On X energy, that's yeah. exactly what we've seen. And Tom Lee, you know, God bless him. He's been spot on ever since March of 2020. You have to listen to him. You don't have to agree with him, but you have to hear what he has to say. Um, so Tom Lee's making this call. And quite frankly, as much as I'm inclined to not go with him, you know, his track record speaks for itself, Dan Nathan. Yeah, I think what Tom does is really interesting. I mean, he's not tied to some big investment bank. He doesn't have all these different interests, right? It's a top-down approach, but they also work bottoms up with a lot of the data as it relates to this virus. And I think he's incorporating a lot of sentiment data. Um, listen, I think Tom can also be tactical here and there. We're going to look at the charts and they're saying something different. It'd be really hard to just blow out from here regardless what happens with Delta. Looking at the S&P 500 guy, and you and I, you know, we obsess over this chart a little bit. We see this 45 degree angle, bottom left, upper right. It's been in this narrowing range here. The peak to trough declines keep getting smaller and smaller. It's probably been 195 days since we've had one greater than 5% from a high. Um, you know, what does it look like to you, Guy? I mean, to me, you know, it's just hard to get that sort of parabolic move when you see breath kind of weakening we know that we've had the earnings data behind us. We have rates rising. We're going to hit that a little bit. What is the S&P 500 telling you? We know that that rising 200-day moving average was at that previous breakout of 4,000, that nice round Yeah, number. listen, what does it say to me? We're at the upper end of the range. And listen, I respect Tom, but I think he would even submit that, you know, we're not going to be parabolic from here. We actually might see it back and fill down to the lower end of that trend line. Yeah, I don't think he would. I don't think he believes we're going to see the 200-day. I do, by the way, and I think we're going to see it sometime early in the fall, but that's what makes markets, as they say. But as we get to the upper end of this range, you've seen what happened each and every time we've gotten there. We've had a significant sell-off, although not nearly as significant as I think we should have. So the 200-day moving average probably comes in around 39.60 or so. That seems light years away. I do think we're going to see the lower end of this trend line, that green line that Dan drew, but we'll see. The next chart we have to look at is the NDX because, again, very similar story here, Dan. You know, we're up towards the upper end of the range. We're through earnings. You could speak about the FMAGA complex because they represent such a huge portion of this. What are your thoughts on this one? 
Yeah. So you got to keep a touch or keep an eye on Amazon right now. I mean, Amazon is one that obviously broke out in front of its earnings. It was the third largest market cap company. I would think it was nearing like $2 trillion ish prior to their earnings and got clobbered. They disappointed. Um, they gave bad guidance on the revenue side. I think margins were a little weak. And, and that stock is down like 13% or so from its recent highs. So if Amazon can do that, the other ones can do that. I take you back to September 2020, almost a year ago, the S S&P and the NASDAQ went down 10% in what felt like a straight line. Amazon and Apple went down 20%. I know that seems like ages ago. You can tell me it's different this time. Um, you know, I'll just tell you this. If all those stocks start moving in the same direction, we know that we see that like long-term resistance just above where the NDX is trading right now. But to your point, that 200-day moving average, that was a level where the NDX was in early May, right? So if there were a couple more disappointments or all the stocks start moving together, you're probably looking at that. 200-day moving average at 13,500. I agree. It's not different this time. And quite frankly, Amazon now three quarters in a row, the stock has rallied and then has failed. I mean, the first two times it failed at 3550. We obviously saw a bit of a blow off top in Amazon last time, but the stock has not traded well at all since earnings. And you wonder at what point does Amazon is Amazon going to drag down the broader market. It hasn't happened yet, but it's something you have to keep an eye on. But what's not different this time <laughs> is this freaking Bitcoin, which has just been ridiculous. I mean, talk to me about Bitcoin, because I, I didn't see this move to 45,000 at all. Although I think you may have. And quite frankly, I think Tom Lee did as well, Dan, Nathan. Yeah, Tom called the bottom here. This thing got to about that 28 uh, 28,500 level. That's where it kind of found some support back in January, early February. It'd been banging around there on some sharp declines over the course of uh, May and June, found support there uh, just a few weeks ago and bang, 50% in what felt like a straight line here. We drew a couple lines. Look at that um, kind of support resistance level um, above the 200 day. Tom thinks it's going to rally. He's got a hundred thousand year end price target. Okay. That would be up a hundred percent from here. Um, if you do the math, it's pretty simple math guy. You could do that here. He's also saying you want to buy this thing above its 200 day moving average. Um, I would have liked to buy it below its 200 day moving average. It's had a big run here. Um, maybe it consolidates a little bit, but that 40,000, 30,000 range that you and I've been talking about on at 1046 seems probably likely level for it to kind of settle in a little bit. No question about it. And there are a lot of technicians out there, a lot of momentum traders that like to trade things when they go through the 200 day moving average on the upside, looking for the momentum. And Tom apparently is one of those guys. So we'll see hundred thousand by year end. Well, we're going to talk to Brian Kelly, you and I soon on another broadcast that we do called on the tape. And it'll be interesting to see his take, but you know, if Tom says it again, you know, his track record suggests you got to sort of at least listen to what he has to say. Yeah. But I will tell you somebody whose track record is not particularly <laughs> strong. And that's our first research call. I don't know why I have such a problem with Deutsche Bank, but I do. I don't know what it is, but I got this. You know, it's like the Mets for me. Well, that's sort of Deutsche Bank. Deutsche Bank and the Mets I throw in the same category. And they finally upgraded Blackstone to buy from hold, citing earnings power. Thanks for nothing, number one. I think they have a $135 <laughs> price target. If you're a Fast Money fan, which I know not only are you, Dan, you're a participant, you know that for the last two years, we've talked about Blackstone being not a bank, but one of the best financials out there, continues to make new all-time highs. Listen, I like the call because I do think Blackstone goes higher. I just think they're late to the dance, Dan. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, you've been pounding the table for a whole host of reasons. And I think what one of the, you know, the, the financial innovation that you're seeing are the moving into other products that deal that they announced last month um, with, with AIG. I mean, I know you loved it. And the stock went from 100 straight to 115. That was a 15% move in what felt like a straight line. I suspect it kind of consolidates here. We drew the line at that breakout level. I think that you'd be backing up the truck if you saw the stock back there. It's cheap. They're moving into new businesses. And I think the street is uniformly in agreement that um, that is going to be a huge catalyst for them going forward. But, you know, you mentioned financials, obviously not a bank here. Tom, part of his everything rally, I think he upgraded um, financial bank stocks in particular. We drew the XLF here. Um, look at that. It, it, it just found great support right at the breakout level from earlier in the spring. Now it's approaching the prior highs. Guy, do we see a breakout? And we're going to talk about rates in a second. How important are rates here? And do we see the XLF, the major names, the JP Morgan, the Bank of America, uh, Morgan Stanley, do we see them like causing this thing to be a runaway breakout? Listen, the short answer is yes. And you talked about this last week. You said there was something interesting going on with the banks. They were not trading lower as interest rates as a 10-year traded down to 1.13%. You were spot on. Now you have Goldman Sachs, all-time highs, all these banks. I will tell you, I still think there is some room to the upside in these banks. And I do think that yields are going to become a bit of a tailwind for these guys. So you're looking at a breakout in the XLF. The one that I like the most, obviously, other than Blackstone, is City, not because I like their business model, because every time City trades 85% of tangible book, it's been a buy. That happened recently. I think City trades at 78. But I do think banks can trade to the upside here. And I think the next thing we have to look at, if you look at banks, is, in fact, those yields. And we've got some interesting data over the last you know week and a half, two weeks. That jobs number, obviously, we traded from 1.19% in a 10-year to 1.3% in a straight line. Well, here we are at 135 on the back of some pretty hot CPI data. What are your thoughts, Dan? You've been spot on, but here we are, rates seemingly through that trend line. What are your th thoughts here in the 10-year yield? Yeah, they found support where they should have. Um, I think the sentiment got pretty negative. People were kind of off sides on that trade over the last few months as they went lower here. I think the break out above that downtrend could be significant above the 200-day moving average, but it really is about what are the qualitative things going on? What is the Fed going to be doing or saying about taper when we get to that Jackson Hole Symposium? We know there's been some Fed speaking. There's a lot of people who think they want to start tapering here. If they do that, you probably probably see the 10-year yield back at one and a half percent. Banks probably like it. Um, the market probably does okay here. Now, here's the one thing I would say. If rates start going higher and we still have hot inflation data, and then that starts hurting, let's say, profit margins, right? And we start seeing decelerating sales and earnings growth for the back half of the year, that'll be a problem. And as we talk about tech in a few minutes, we're going to talk about some names that have disappointed in this Q2 earnings season about Q3 guys. And the stocks, these are big names, and the stocks got hit. So that's something to keep an eye on. Rates going higher, data hot, uh, you know, hot. And then what does that mean for earnings? You know what else is hot? When I thought we were talking about gaming stocks, I thought we were going to talk about Galaga. I mentioned that on Twitter <laughs> earlier. By the way, I played Galaga last week. My really? son Guy and I went to one of these casinos on the, on the boardwalk in Asbury Park. It has all these great machines. And let me just tell you something. I was a bit of a Galaga prodigy in the 1980s. But that's not what you wanted to talk about. You wanted to talk about uh, Unity. You want to talk about another name, Roblox, on the back of this Activision stuff. And I think that makes sense, Dan. These are two names that we rarely talk about, Unity and Roblox. I th happen to think that Roblox could be one of those companies over the next five years you absolutely have to watch. But talk to me about this because you brought it up on the back of this Activision uh, news. 
Yeah, there was there was a downgrade. You know, you and I, let's just say, as financial pundits, spent the last fifteen years when we talked about gaming stocks, really talking about EA and Activision and Take Two, and they all were very similar business models. They all had different areas in which they kind of outperformed here. But it's interesting that Unity, you know, this was a recent IPO, I think, about last year. It's a company that makes this a platform for developers for gamers and, and doing a lot of really interesting things there. And then Roblox, if you know anyone who has young kids, I mean, it's like basically basically an obsession here. Um, so it just seems like there's been a changing of the guard, the way investors think about these. And, you know, this Activision chart says a lot to me, long consolidation. This was a, obviously a pandemic winter. People had a lot of time. They're playing a lot of video games, but now you're starting to see um, Activision, EA and Take-Two all down considerably on the year, underperforming the NASDAQ and many of its peers. Bad chart there. You see that break below the 200-day and the prior breakout level, which was support. But look at the Unity chart guy, when you see this thing kind of making a little bit of a head and shoulders mm-hmm. bottom there, um, that looks explosive to me. It does as well. And I'll tell you something, Goldman Sachs just initiated Unity with, I think, $135 price target. They did report on August 10th, I believe. A lot of people like this name. They've made an acquisition company called Parsec for $320 million. And to your point, I mean, this is in the EA world and they're sort of integrating themselves in a really interesting way. I think this stock can sort of fill that gap into the mid-140s. And the next thing we have to look at, I think, is, in fact, Roblox, because I think that's pretty interesting as well, Dan, if I'm not mistaken, because they report on August 16th. Now, watch this. You're going to love what I do here. The options imply. See what I did? I used to watch the options action, a 12.5% move. They were initiated a sell, which you rarely see at a company called Benchmark with a $75 price target. What are your thoughts about Roblox? I do think this is a really important company. Yeah, I do too. And and again, it goes back to sort of the changing of the guard. I think it's important. This is nearly a $50 billion market cap company that, like you said, we don't talk an awful lot about. And I think we will. And then you just mentioned some M&A for Unity. I suspect that you see some M&A as it relates to Roblox. They're probably um, an acquirer here. They're probably going to broaden out some of their offerings. They obviously develop a lot of games. But again, I love the fact that you flagged earnings. That is a big move. You're thinking implied move of 12% in either direction on a $50 billion market cap company. You do the math. Um, so uh, to me, that one's going to be one to watch. All right, guy, we got to go. It's about this- $6 billion. Hold on. Before we do anything, well, I'm just yeah. telling you now, you started the show by saying there's no way we're going to get out by 11. Yeah. You are correct because with 20 seconds left, we're not nearly done. You're going to hear a little buzzer in a second. We will be going overtime. I apologize. Yeah. There's a buzzer. See, I told you. Chart of the week, Spotify. I love the Spotify, by the way. I have a tremendous playlist. <laughs> On the Spotify for you folks, I have 700 songs, a lot of yacht rock. I know nobody cares, Uh, but talk to me about Spotify here, Dan. Chart of the week. You were just one of the kids. Um, guy, you guys have to check out guys. Um, his, his, you know, you will often reference this on our podcast on the tape and some of the other things that we do in our Twitter spaces and the like. Um, and you will say, you know, a band will come up and you will say, of my 700 songs on my Spotify playlist, I do not have one, right? Don't you say that? I do not have one. What are the bands that everyone loves? Grateful that you Dead. Don't have I, one? The Grateful Dead is the most overrated band of all oh, time. Nobody likes it. the Grateful They think they like the Grateful Dead because they're stoned when they're listening. They have no idea if they uh. listen to them when they were coherent, they'd be like, what the hell is this? Anyway, talk to me about Spotify. This looks like 
a head and shoulders top. Am I correct, Andy? Yeah, but you got to do me a favor because fact set charts, they are beautiful. You know, we've been using them. You know, this program is sponsored by fact set. But Amanda Diaz, our producer, what did she AD, do? AD. What, did, what did she do with those horizontal lines? That is not how I would be drawing a head and shoulders top guy. We're going to have to have a little sidebar with her. About well, she, that. I don't think she was able to use, what is this thing called? Like a, a half moon yeah. or something? Yeah. That's what we were looking for. But Okay, Listen, we, yeah, we're, we're doing us, our best here. All right, let's talk about this thing. It's been amazingly volatile. Obviously, you know, these guys have made a huge push into podcasting. That's something that served them very well during the pandemic. They've been making a lot of acquisitions. Um, you know, listen, when they reported, and this is what we just kind of referenced, they had disappointing um, user results and they gave disappointing guidance. And look at this thing now. It's right at that neckline. That is a nasty, nasty looking chart. I mean, some of you, if you're fundamentally bullish on the name, it might be a level that you want to use as a stop to the downside. What's your take here, guy? Because listen, this story is by no means done. You know what I mean? Um, but the chart acts like death. It's down, what, 45% from those highs in February, down about 32% of the year. I will tell you right now, if it does not hold this horizontal line that Amanda Diaz drew, that you, you're talking about a measured move potentially back down to those lows if you go way back to the left-hand side of this chart. No, I mean, I'm just telling you. Yeah. And at a certain point when valuation doesn't matter, when you're in the middle of this chart, when nobody cares, all of a sudden valuation starts to matter. So just keep an eye on this. As much as I love Spotify, my playlist, you got to be a little yeah. leery here in the stock. Risk-reward is interesting. But that measured move suggests we might go down all the way to the lows we saw almost, I want to say, a year or so ago, which brings us to the next guy, which is our man, JB. I call him JB. You call him John Butters. I call him a genius. I don't know what you call him, but one for the road, Dan Nathan. I mean, 87% of the S&P 5 companies have beaten estimates. Good for them. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, because the last time it happened was 2008, and we all know what took place in the ensuing months from there, Dan. Yeah, what's interesting about this call, and John, uh, thank you for a little preview of your earnings insight, which will drop tomorrow morning. You guys should sign up for that. Get it in your inbox. That's his blog. It comes from Fact Set. You can also read it on the street accounts. Um, I have always followed his work. I find it really interesting. I mean, to me, you know, that... What it says to me, guys, is that expectations were high going into this and they beat higher expectations, right? Coming in above that. I would just say this is that, you know, we do see a lot of stimulus rolling off. We know that we have this infrastructure bill coming that's not going to really affect um, consumers as much, but you might see just a decelerate. You will see decelerating revenue growth um, going forward. And if expectations remain high, then it sets up for disappointments. And I want to go back to Spotify. What did we talk about earlier? Amazon. And there was another big name that guided down for Q3. And that was PayPal. These are significant sorts of names here. Netflix had a disappointing. So some of these names that were winners of the pandemic are starting to disappoint a little bit. And that's something that I'd keep my eye on as we get into the end of Q3. Well, you never disappoint, Dan. And we're just going to throw the summary page up and you folks can read it. But the thing that's most interesting to me here is 10-year yields. I know we talked about everything rally, but you know what else is rallying yields? So if those 10-year yields, which are now 135, 136, we're all of a sudden started with that CPI data, Dan. Maybe that 175 level is in reach. I don't know what's going to happen to the broader market. I think I do, but keep an eye on yields. What sticks out to you, Dan? Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think the speed in which rates would rise, you know, from here up to those prior highs might be the thing that causes 
equities, as we know, they're really kind of flirting with the upper bounds of that technical resistance. And I'll just go back, you know, last August, head scratcher, do your thing, guy. You know, we couldn't understand why the market was just kind of melting up. Well, what happened in September? There was a bit of a reality check. And you can cite valuation of why markets or individual securities are expensive on the way up. It really doesn't usually matter until the way down. And I just remember last September was a bit of a bloodbath here. So, you know, adding to these things at all-time highs with sentiment, really high complacency really low here that's not a great setup to me watch what i'm going to do here as we get out now it's time to say goodbye to all our boys and girl friends what is that from what is that jingle from it's from oh, disney yeah. for you friends i mentioned that because we got disney earnings at the after the close today keep an eye on that sucker too expensive <laughs> in my opinion that's my one for the road but today's episode of 1046 has been brought to you by our presenting sponsors one fact set, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. And of course, open exchange. They manage virtual meetings that matter for the top companies around the world. You matter to me, Dan. What matters to you as we get out of here? Yeah, I just think, again, you know, we're going to be in slow trading, probably quiet trading as we get into the back half of August. And, you know, I don't think there's anything to get too excited about, especially in an environment where rates um, feel like they're going to continue to tick higher here and investors have to digest a whole heck of a lot of news. We see some of the fiscal stimulus rolling off for parts of the economy, new infrastructure spending coming in with rates going higher. Um, that could create, you haven't used this term in a long time. What is it that where that woman- Which is brew. It could be it's a little bit of- a witch's brew, Dan. That's right. exactly what it's going to create. Oh, by the way, you know what I'm excited about? The Yankees of New York play the White Sox of Chicago tonight in Iowa. I suggest you all tune in. Red Sox all of a sudden going in reverse. I know that's sort of music to a lot of Yankee fans' ears. That's it. We'll see you next week. Next Thursday, I believe that will be the 19th of August. What time? At 1040. At oh, 1046. I was just saying it. See you Thanks, later. everybody, for tuning in. See you, guy. <laughs>